Hey guys, listen up. This episode of Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. I always keep Kinsa in my arsenal of mom tools, and I'll tell you why. It remembers my daughter's temperature, symptoms, and medication, so I don't have to. And it keeps her entertained with games while we wait for her temperature to be taken. How awesome is that? Check it out now at KinsaHealth.com. Kinsa is the world's smartest thermometer. Also, this episode of Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Bumby Box. This is super cool, you guys. Bumby Box is an eco-friendly toy subscription service that sends toys to your door. What? These toys are specially chosen just for your child's age level and interest, all kinds of fun activities, and a great way for you to create new memories with your child. Check it out at BumbyBox.com. BumbyBox is a better way to play. Come on, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, friends. It's episode 45 of Motherhood in Hollywood. It's me, Heather Brooker. I've missed you so much. Um, Our guest today is, I say our, like I literally do that so many times. Our guest, it's my guest. There's no one else here. It's just me, kids. My guest today is very funny writer and producer and mom, Wendy Molino. Wendy writes on Bob's Burgers. Oh, God. I just need to take a minute to pay homage to Bob's Burgers. It's such a funny fucking show. Like, if you've never watched Bob's Burgers, you are totally missing out. The The humor is weird and unusual and it like there's a lot of slow burns where you have to go what what did they just say and it's a great show um Wendy also used to be a writer on the Megan Mullally show the daytime talk show and she talks a little bit about that and how different it was to write for a daytime talk show uh, versus writing for an animated half hour comedy such a vast um scope of things that she's worked on and working on but the bottom line is that you have to be funny and you got to know where your humor comes from. I feel confident in that. And she totally does. So you guys will absolutely love hearing from Wendy. Can you hear me breathing? Do I feel like I'm out of breath? (sighs) That was weird. It was like all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. Like I've been running a marathon. Oh, speaking of running a marathon. So yay. The MIH 15 by 15 is over. Woo, woo, woo. This does not mean that I'm going to start shoving everything in my face, like French fries, all that. Although I did go a little crazy on our anniversary trip this uh, past few days. I did go a little nuts. I'm sure I might've gained a couple of pounds back, but I haven't stepped on the scale yet. I'm giving myself a little bit of a have a breather of a break, you know, because I've been going for four months trying really hard to get healthy and lose the weight. Thank you so much to everybody who was so encouraging and so positive and supportive on social media and through emails. Uh, I see your tweets and your Instagram and Facebook messages, and I appreciate it very much. If you were playing along with me, thank you. I hope you too lost 15 pounds or set your goal or whatever your goal was to lose. Um, and I hope that you had fun doing it. That's the most important part. I hope you had a good time doing it. So I want to talk a little bit about my anniversary trip. Um, my husband and I, Chris and I went to Napa 11 years ago for, I think it was our, it was our fourth wedding anniversary. 
And we, you know, at the time it was literally, we just wanted to see every winery we could. We raced from winery to winery, slammed the wines. We were like, oh, this is good. It has a nice oaky flavor. Boom. We're off to the next one. And it it was just such a race to get to as many wineries as we could that we didn't fully enjoy Napa, the experience of Napa, everything there was to see and do there. So we made a conscious decision this time to go around and enjoy it more and see more of, of, the area a little bit go to like Sonoma and St. Helena, St. Helena. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, I'm just going to make it up and, um, spend a little more time in the, in the area and enjoying just a few wineries that we really liked. And we had such a great time. I'm going to try to blog about it, try to write down the places we went and the stuff that we enjoyed. We went to Pangloss, which was this gorgeous tasting room in Sonoma, which my friend Courtney recommended and Courtney, uh, it works at Pats and Hall there and which is another winery and just gave us some great tips and great advice. So thank you, Courtney for that. Plus, I mean, we just got to drink some fabulous wine. My daughter was being well taken care of from her aunt Kelly. Thanks girl. And so we were just able to relax and chill and have a nice vacation. How many of you guys know that whether you're a parent or just someone who's working hard and you need a break every now and then. And that's, this is exactly what we needed to do. Just get away for a few days. So I'm glad we got to do that. Yay. Anyway, I want to give a couple of quick thank yous and hello and Hey, how's it going to a few people over on the Twitter. I want to say hi to Missy Collingsworth. Thank you so much for following MIH podcast. Also Michelle Sorensen. Hey girl, what's up? Thanks for following me. Um, Christina Zimmer. Hi, thank you for following MIH podcast. If you guys want to know more about um, the silly and ridiculous things that I say and what's happening in my world, follow me at MIH podcast on Twitter and motherhood in Hollywood on Facebook, Instagram. Sometimes I also am on Periscope at MIH podcast, as well as I started Snapchatting. I don't know. I feel proud pressure. I feel mixed feelings about it. I feel like everyone's doing it, you know, like all the kids are doing it. And I want to be like the kids. I want to be hip. Uh, I realize in saying that I might have a ways to go. All right. So, uh, thanks so much for tuning in again to motherhood in Hollywood. Brand new episode every Monday. Please share with your friends. I want to help me get the word out about this podcast. I'm having so much fun doing it. I hope you guys are having fun listening to it. Share it with a friend. Give us a review. Again, there's that us. Give me a review. Give the show a review on iTunes if you would, please. And uh, yeah, share the love. Share the wealth. All right. Now here is my interview with writer and producer Wendy Molino. In the Motherhood in Hollywood studio, I have the very funny and hilarious. I'm just going to put all those adjectives on you. No, no pressure. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some knock knocks ready. So. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody That's loves knock knocks. <laughs> um, Wendy Molino, you are producer and writer on Bob's Burgers. That's right. And also a mom. Also a mother. Yay. Yes. Uh, what do you like better? <laughs> uh, well, if I had to choose, I would choose my son. There you go. Oh, good I'm not answer. a monster. <laughs> I do also enjoy my job, but yes. I, good answer. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell you, admittedly, my husband and I are huge fans of Bob's Burgers. Oh, thank you for watching. It's so funny. Thank you. I We quote Gene to each other constantly. Gene is great, especially if you have a kid, because Gene is, is so into kid. farts, and it so really, like, farts. it really resonates with children but also I think frees up adults adults. frees up adults to remember like that how funny 
Yeah. Farts are like even just my favorite thing is when my kid admits to farting. Like we were on the subway (laughs) on Sunday and he was sitting next to me and he just looked up at me and was like, Mom, I farted. Sorry. But like also (laughs) like you could also tell with like a tinge of pride that like farting on the subway where people are trapped with it was like extra funny like he knew that was a good fart a good one to cop to like you could just tell like, he was apologizing but it was kind of a sorry not sorry situation right just like i'm just gonna put this out there yeah and, and then yesterday he was in i share an office with my sister who's my writing partner and um he was standing in the corner near lizzie near where her desk is and he goes lizzie sorry i keep farting <laughs> In your corner, I farted three times in your corner, and it was just like the best. I just like when he admits art. So I think he has watching Gene with me, which I don't let him watch a lot of adult-oriented mm-hmm. animation, but Bob's is pretty mild. Yeah, and I let him watch it, and he enjoys it. But Gene, I can tell, like just resonates with him like crazy. Do you pull from uh, some of the jokes from things that he says? Um, or I don't know that- if I've pulled a specific joke from him. But, like, the spirit of, you know, of him and little kids everywhere, I think, is, like, deeply ingrained in Gene and Louise. My husband will – I work sometimes on Sunday nights when Bob's comes on, and my Mm -hmm. husband will record it, like, on his phone, something Gene has said, or, like, a a section of it, Uh. (laughs) Um, and then send it to me, and it's almost always about farts. And there is something, I don't know what it is, but people kind of like look down on it sometimes like, oh, that's not funny. Farts aren't funny. And I'm like, shut up. It's hilarious. When the, my favorite one is when Bob, uh, or not Bob, uh, Gene goes, we need a separate island for farting. For farting. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's the like random like whispering of it where he's just so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of like writing on a show where you do a lot of scatological humor kind of frees you up about that so I think I remember in college too I didn't necessarily think that it that I wanted to make jokes about farts or what people <laughs> did you know what I mean like there's a you go the through that pretentious sure in college LA, sure. period not everybody does but yeah. I certainly did where you know like that kind of humor would not necessarily right. be what you think is what you should be aiming for and like the older you get I think the more you're kind of like because, like, your body's falling apart, too. The, the less <laughs> yeah. you think anything sort of too profane or too disgusting, like, now I feel like it's, like, a real point of pride that I just, if I have to poop at work, I just poop. Yeah. I mean, not, like, in a room. <laughs> I go to the bathroom. To, the to bathroom. be clear, I don't just poop wherever I am. Just wherever you But are. I do think, like, when you're a younger woman, you have anxiety. Like, there's that whole, like, oh, sex absolutely. in the city thing of, like, when do you poop at a guy's apartment? I'm like, Never. just just do it early. Just get it out of the way. You're a human body. Like, you're a human who puts food in your mouth. It's got to come out. Like, just be thankful, like, yeah, that your body makes poop the correct way. And then just, like, poop at work. That's, like, a small feminist action you can do is just <laughs> poop at work. Don't be afraid. Everybody's doing it. Don't I get, hold it for home. I get in discussions a lot of times with my friends because I'm, like, weirdly, like, germy, germaphobic. Like, oh, okay. not officially, like, diagnosed. But I'm yeah. always, like, hand sanitizing things. I don't let people eat off my plate because that's disgusting. But, oh, really? Yeah. No, oh, I'm, like, I'm the opposite, I think. I know. Brandy and I, our mutual friend Brandy McKay and I have yeah. actually been round and round about this because she, when we used to perform at Acme together, I would get food. And to drive me crazy, she would sit there and eat, try to eat my food. Part of it is that I'm an only child and I don't like to share. Oh, okay. But the other part of it is it's like, gross. I don't know where your mouth's been. You're spitting on my food. But um, <laughs> it's a weird, one of my weird traits. Um, but I noticed that... Um, 
where it comes to me being more comfortable is I will poop anywhere. Yeah. I will. I have no problem sitting on any toilet, going to any bathroom. If you've right. got to go, you've got to go. And everyone's like, how can you be so grossed out by sharing food with someone? But yet you'll go to the bathroom anywhere. And I'm like, because you have to go. I'd rather get right. it out than keep it in. And women have so much anxiety about pooping, like mm-hmm. as if it's extra disgusting if we poop. Whereas like we have my husband and I are in this poker league and there's about 30 people oh, in it. Cool. And we, you know, we host it sometimes and we tend to shut our um, cats back in our bedroom, which is where the other bathroom is. So that leaves only one real bathroom for everyone to use. And the, it's it's mainly dudes. And the guy who's in charge of the league or whatever, I was like, are people annoyed with us hosting because there's only one bathroom? And he's like, I'm like, because if they have to poop. And he's like, no, because it's all men. Like, yeah. they're just like, look at my beautiful poop. Like, <laughs> like they would, like, make it a little carriage and pull it around with them. Like, they're fine with it. So I do think there's, like, the, the female anxiety about poop sure. is crazy compared to, like, how men feel about it. They're just like, I pooped. Whatever. Yeah. You just... Yeah, I, I, yeah I, maybe it's the way they're raised. Maybe were you hoping you would talk about poop? For I was an hour hoping. Today? Yeah. Well, I knew we would talk about farts because I was like, we right. got to talk about Jean. But um, what is there a character that you in particular write the most for on the show, or is Mm-mm. it is it really a collective? Effort? It's all spread around. I mean, the characters were all created by the guy who created the show, Lauren Bouchard, and then so um, you know, and. Uh, so the, the characters were all in place when we started working there, and we've had pretty much the same writing staff the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is like, I mean, when you write your script, your week or whatever, obviously you have to write all the characters. You may find it like easier to write um, jokes for one character or another in a given episode, I find. Yeah. But like if you're identifying with their journey in that episode or something... But I feel like it is it, it spreads around equally. I mean, Gene is incredibly fun to write for because his can be complete non sequiturs. Right. Um, and so that's great. And then Tina's a lot of times are well, I guess she has sort of non sequiturs mm-hmm. too, but hers come from like her emotions and her feelings mm-hmm. and her awkwardness more. And then, you know, Linda almost has a gene like quality where she can say something like sort of completely out of the I think they're all fun to write for. Right. Um yeah, and uh, I identify a lot with Bob with kind of the, like, oh, my God of it all, which is, like, his obviously most common line that yeah. he says yeah. is that sort of, like, constant exhaustion with everyone and everything. With all of the buffoons in his life. Yeah, or yeah, whatever. yeah. So. Literal children. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Lauren Bouchard, am I saying his name right? Yes. Um, he also did home movies, yeah. right? Which I was such a huge fan of. My husband and I loved home movies. Yeah. And we were, I just remember thinking, this is so smart and funny and weird. Yeah. And I think that that has transitioned into Bob's Burgers for sure. Like you can definitely see that same kind of yeah. tone. Lauren's great. He's a great boss because he has kind of this ability to, the, I mean, the show's definitely his, his voice. He created the characters and all of that. But he also really lets people run with it. Like, everyone basically got to act as a producer of their episode from season one on. Yeah. So you learned all the steps of it. And I didn't know that was unusual. This was our first real staffing job. And I don't think we were aware of how unusual it was to not be hierarchical. Like, on a lot of shows... Um, the staff writer or whatever, I mean, you're just sort of there to be a joke machine. Like, no one expects your drafts to be good. Lauren, from day one, and I think that was it, too, is it, he, he expected your draft to be good. 
there was no punishment if it wasn't or anything. Like right. everyone's been there the whole time. So it's, you know, but he expected your draft to be good. And then you were able to produce it all the way through. He and uh, Jim Dotrieve, the other executive producer, that was just the vibe from the beginning. And um, it was great. And another thing that's great about that was great about Lauren. He brought in two writers. And I think a lot of times if you're looking at, you know, a guy start, you know, getting his own network show for the first time, whatever, he's going to have his like bros that he brings in with him. Instead it was two women (laughs) with these two writers, Nora Smith, who, uh, who did a lot of the work on the pilot to the pilot presentation with Lauren. And then um, another writer, Holly Schlesinger, who had worked with him. I'm not sure if she was on home movies. I know she was on Lucy daughter of the devil. So he came in. I remember the first day kind of realizing that Nora and Holly were his bros that he had brought with him. And I was like, okay, this is, going to be fine right you know what I mean it's like a vibe thing unusual, you, yeah I think so. to have so many women writing on a comedy like that yeah I mean I think that it's actually I think there's a lot of people who are now making a point of it mm-hmm. um and we're still not 50 50 by a long stretch um I'd say we're like I think we're 30 percent right now but there's some like I know Stephen Falk who does um you're the worst on that show and the show he did before if I'm remembering correctly set out purposely to make sure it was a 50-50 male-female writing staff, which seems normal. Yeah. That is how right it is represented in the world. Right, You know, exactly. and it's just like, so that's nice when people are actually, because sometimes people say like, oh, I can't find anyone, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look on the internet. Yeah. There's like a ton of humor sites you could go find. Yeah, maybe people have to come in at staff writer level because they haven't written for TV before, but who are hilarious or go over to UCB and watch the shows and yeah. find – the young you, women writers that are think, out there. Yeah, whatever. how do you think that's affecting um, writing for television? Like your Twitter uh, comedians, the the guys and gals who are writing jokes on Twitter or who are doing um, funny Vine videos or things like that. Do you think that that's having an effect? Like producers are actually going to look for comedians there? I think definitely. And I think you have the great versions of it, which is like Rob Delaney, who obviously co-created Catastrophe, which is a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he really came up through Twitter. He was just an incredibly popular Twitterer. And he and I were both like at Improv Olympic at the same time and all that stuff. And so that was, I mean, there's a lot of different paths, I think. And that was his path. I'm not like the world's best Twitterer. So I don't think that would have ever been my path. But you, when you tweet, it's very funny. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, I'm not like, I feel like Rob Delaney, Ted Travelstead, there's a few people who are just like really excellent, do. outstanding. Yeah. Well, in addition to being great TV writers right. too. But yeah, he came out through there. So I definitely think there's that. And then there's like, you know, there was that shit my dad says yeah, show yeah. that was based on a Twitter. I don't. I actually don't know that guy. I don't know if he's funny it's outside right. of that. He could well, be the super show hilarious. didn't last. The show didn't <laughs> last. So I think there's, you know, they people are looking for it. So I think it doesn't hurt yeah. to have that kind of internet presence. But if you, if you don't like Twitter and it's not your thing, I also don't think you have to feel pressure to be like, right. I have to have a funny Twitter if I want to have a career. I have a love hate relationship with Twitter in that yeah. way. In that it's like sometimes the funny things will come to me and I'll tweet about it, and then other right. times I'm like, I don't need a tweet today. Mm-hmm. No one is dying. That no one is sitting there waiting to see what Heather Brooker is going to say. No, you know, feel like, the same. Yeah, it's just sort of a. And I, t- I tweet about my podcast a lot, just f- you know, to help get the word out and, and right. all of that. But sometimes I'll I'll think funny things, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep this to myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, or, well, yeah, I'm just going to not share this one with anybody. Yeah, I tend to tweet like late at night because I have insomnia, and so yeah. oh, I'll really? just like Me sit too. there and write a few. I have to take drugs Twitter. for my insomnia. What do you yes. take? I take Ambien. Oh, you do? I have to. Are you afraid of sleep eating and sleepwalking? No, no. So people have asked me that. Nothing like that has ever happened. Oh, I'm terrified. I feel like if I ever take like even one Ambien, 
I'll wake up like at a neighbor's house and I will have killed them <laughs> and like, like I'll be like covered in blood and oh also God. like have eaten something that I wasn't supposed to. Like a body part or something. Yeah. And then maybe I'll have like, I don't know, be like cutting up their towels. I don't know. Just like something, something weird. weird. I'll be Does doing that something weird. I've never No, for sure not. But I'm sure that I'll be the one. <laughs> the what? The one person. No, I've never, I've never had any problems with it, and now, and I don't want to say I'm addicted, but I might be. But now I can't sleep without it. Oh, really? Because for so many years, I used to do overnights. I used to work overnights for um, a local TV station where oh, I worked on the morning show. Yes, it messed so, up your clock. One hundred percent, and I've never been able to be the same since to go back to oh. it since. So I will stay up till one, two, three in the morning, and if I don't take something to go to sleep. I'll just lay there in bed all night. And my oh, mind yours is worse than mine tick, then. Tick, tick. Yeah, it's bad. Mine's just like every other night I'd stay up till like two or three in the is morning. Is it that you no can't reason. turn your brain off? Are you thinking of ideas or do you feel like you <laughs> I wish stuff I was thinking of ideas. What a, what, a, what a wonderful problem. I just, I'm such a genius that I just, I'm thinking of so many ideas <laughs> I that I can't follow. Like, I'm in like a big room, like writing equations on the wall. <laughs> like I just. You know, and then a scientist comes by and realizes that I what a genius you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that we can get to Mars <laughs> Thanks and to your quickly ideas. because of my ideas. Oh my god. Um, no, just run in the mill, being an idiot. I think <laughs> uh, one thing I have found though that is is that the Rockford Files is on in the middle of the night, which oh, I don't know if you. I'm not a fan. Or into the Rockford Files, mm-hmm. but it's I love like old detective shows, so that oh. like that and Columbo, and I'm like, oh now like now I almost like look forward to my <gasps> insomnia because I'm like, oh the Rockford Files is gonna be right. on, it's great. So then you're like, well there goes the rest of the night. Yeah, I that happens to me with Golden Girls or like oh, yeah. Frasier, like Golden old episodes of, yeah. of Golden Girls or, or Frasier. I kid you not, I've stayed up all night one time watching old episodes of Frasier. It's oh, weird. Really? There, I, it's it. I never watched it when it was on initially, but uh-huh. um, in reruns, I'll watch it like Frasier. That reminds me of my favorite. Have you are you into this Twitter Frasier for Hire? No, it's what's somebody that? who I can't remember his real name. And I don't know him personally, so that it's not offensive. I think that I can't remember his real name, but he's has a Twitter where he's pretending he thinks he could still get hired on Frasier. Oh, and oh my so God. he writes like Niles jokes and all that stuff, and then like asks if anyone can help him get hired on Frasier. And for some reason, that to me is the funniest. I thing love that of all time is the idea of somebody who's still trying to get hired on, on Frasier. Frasier. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to look that up. That sounds yeah, hilarious. Frasier for hire. Let's see. There's someone who's putting Twitter to good use. Really good use. A lot yeah. of joke accounts aren't that funny. No. Like, they're, they're trying like, too hard. Yeah. I'm Hillary, but I'm a bitch or whatever, where it's just like, <laughs> okay. That, like, that happens a lot. Right. Well, yeah. I get, it's like, it's not a funny it's not. twist. It's I get lumped all. into, because my podcast is, is parenting related and mom related, mm-hmm. I get lumped in a lot of times with like mommy bloggers and mommy Twitters right. and stuff like that, which is fine. But a lot of the parenting jokes are like all the same. Um, you know, a lot of like, uh, my three-year-old won't go to the bathroom today and I'm so angry. Uh, or, you know, which is not funny at all, but it's more just like statements of wackadoo or, or my husband and I haven't had sex in three years. And yeah. Is it too early to drink wine? Today? Right. Right. Like There's a lot of that of wine jokes. There's a lot of, a lot the of wine jokes. Parents who are parents drinking and wine. wine. Yeah. Um, I have stopped myself before in making boozy jokes or liquor jokes like that. Cause I'm like, Oh, that just feels so tired. I don't know what it is about. There's like a big movement lately amongst parenting bloggers and mom bloggers to talk about how free we are and cool we are because we're parents and we drink, 
you know, like it's a, it's almost like a badge. Like there's even a website called Boozy Moms where uh-huh. they talk about how much they love to drink and be moms and all of that, which is not, I mean, if that's their thing, that's fantastic. But it's just a great, it's an example of a lot of the direction that some parents are going in. Right. It's also kind of weird to just be like, I'm doing, like, it's kind of like, I eat a lot of carrots. Like, I don't know why it's like. <laughs> so revolutionary i don't think it's revolutionary to drink and parent i think that's what Mm -hmm. Mad Men was about absolutely yeah it's been happening for a while it's been happening for a long time i think that they're just sort of embracing or like maybe being vocal about the the, you know like how they haven't changed since becoming a parent like i can still party and hang out or i'm so stressed out i need a glass of wine yeah i think sometimes there could be like a tendency to be like like I'm not growing up or whatever, or mm-hmm. I'm not responsible. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but I'm actually sure they're very good parents. Yeah. Especially if they are saying that. I think people who are seriously like secretly drinking or something are probably not are not up. putting no. it on a blog. They're no. like, I have a problem and I'm not ready to admit right? it or something. Like they're probably very blog. quietly drinking at home. But these moms are but, totally, it's like a badge of honor. Like they're, yeah, I think like, look, I can not, still, I can still be a young hip mom. It's not really my thing, but I also think that I have the advantage of never having been, like, cool or hot. (laughs) So I'm not, like, letting go of anything. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, yeah, I've. I've never I don't know I no not, I know I'm not like saying. oh when me when I was in a sorority mm. boy howdy not that there's any my two of my sisters were in sororities and they're, <laughs> they're wonderful human beings but you know or that, but it's that maybe that hardcore that idea. idea of like I'm still a hot fresh mom and but I'm just like oh no I wasn't like a hot fresh 22 year old right like so it's fine for me right. to not so be, I don't have a need to feel like a hot fresh you know no, and also mom. like I feel like because I got I had my kid later you know I was 30 and um all that I just I don't know I don't feel a need to be like I'm a mother but also I don't know it just does it because it's yeah, it yeah. hard to have a baby mm-hmm. that it's just kind of like um I don't know I feel like it's that kind of like um maybe like a superstition or whatever of like right well actually I think it's genuine appreciate appreciation like I genuinely I, I like kids I, yeah and I think that they probably love their kids and like kids too but I, I do think sometimes though it's like you do have this struggle of like how are you defining yourself and it's not just for parents it's mm-hmm. for everybody of like okay do I feel like you know because a lot of people attach the word just to being a mom which is weird like are yeah. you just a mom and it's like well, it's not just, no, you're also like a human being and whatever. So I actually understand why there's this, maybe you want to have a blog or a, or a Twitter that makes mm-hmm. it funny or whatever. So that it's like, you're getting ahead of the joke, like a, how totally. I'll want to make a joke about myself being fat before anybody else does. So oh, that, I do that we, constantly. yeah. So that it's like, I get it out of the way. And yeah. it's also like, then you don't have that power over me is that probably there. I mean, I think there is still a lot of feeling that, you know, if you're a stay at home mom, that it's somehow a less than or somehow right. a just. And it's like, it's not. Like, you're doing your thing. You're making a choice. And you're there's you very know, much a doing an important job there's still. You yeah. know, there's still that. So I can understand why it's, you know, you may want to generate some feeling that you are pushing back against that. Or right. Whatever. That is essentially a big part of why I started the podcast is mm-hmm. because I know that I'm not just a mom. And right. I, but even if you were, it would be okay. Great. And I know it. And I, and I, <laughs> you know I, mean? I think like, though I had a, a need and a desire because I'm also an actress right. to 
somehow still have like a little bit of a creative toe in the industry sure, you know? yeah. and I'm a terrible blogger like I'll blog like yeah. maybe once every couple of weeks yeah. because I'm also really private I'm weirdly private about like I'll never blog about specific things that are happening in my daughter's life I also right. try to use pictures of her very sparingly mm-hmm. um just because I don't ever want to disrespect her as a person that she the person right. she's going to grow up yeah. to be one day and there's a lot of moms who uh, give no Fs about that. And, they, you know, there's lots of pictures of their kids everywhere. And that is their blog, which yeah. is, you know, fine. That's your choice. But I don't blog regularly. So I thought, well, what's an easy thing for me to do? Easy being the keyword where I could just have people come over and talk to me at my house yeah, and then record totally. it. So I have found that it's opened up a whole new world of creativity for me. So I don't end up feeling like, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Right. Waiting between auditions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, you know, if, if a job has been a part of your identity and then mm-hmm. suddenly you don't have a job, I mean, it definitely does That's a give hard you. Transition. Right. It's easy for me to say, like, oh, you you know, I wouldn't feel like just, just a mom or I wouldn't feel put down or anything like that. But I bet I would. <laughs> you know, like, right now I'm yeah. employed and we've had a good run on the show, mm-hmm. which is lucky. But you never know with TV and, and these entertainment kind of jobs that, you know, I maybe stay at home for my child's middle school years, you know, and may encounter some. Right feelings of like who am I what am I doing you know I used to go to my office in the morning and all that like I can totally project how that can feel whereas other people they're like this is what I want to do I want to be at home mm-hmm. this is my total focus and I think it's it's more that I feel like right now it's like in parenting everybody acts like you have to make a choice or like pick a lane and it's like it's just like feminism I feel like where it's like everyone can be okay all of those choices in that range can be okay I think there was um, you know, Harris Whittle's sister, I can't remember her name, but mm. I was just reading um, a uh, an article she wrote online where she shared that she was talking about Twitter commenters and stuff. She said that she wrote an article about how her daughter watches more TV than the average and that she was like attacked. And it's oh, like, absolutely. why can't she, her daughter, watch some more TV and your child can not watch tv and just like look at seeds in the yard and like (laughs) frolic with ducks or whatever it makes you and your family happy because guess what when those kids get older you actually do not know which of those paths like the tv watcher could wind up being the you know the person who lives on a you know wild animal preserve and the person who the kid who grew up in nature could be a wall street banker like you can't know like i feel like right now and but i think a lot of it is economically motivated like sure it's content it's clicks it's whatever the more you can get people stirred up against each other and it's super crazy because yes short of the vaccine issue which makes me freaking nuts (laughs) um i you know there's no like one right way to do it i don't Mm -hmm. think but this internet culture is encouraging everyone absolutely to to feel like they have to have a definition of themselves as a parent you don't i don't think the more um controversial your posts are sexy your headlines are the more the more people will be driven to it i've been reading a lot about and researching a lot about through podcasting and um, everything since I started this yeah to try to learn more about this business and uh-huh. and um, what I'm doing because I want to you know if you do something you want to do it well yeah and it's really not me I like to keep no, expectations just, low just half just like do it a little <laughs> bit and then just give up and then this walk kind away. of a yeah like I made bread for a while but only for like two weeks oh my gosh I, I got a away. bread maker too and I was like what wait yeah are you talking, did you get a bread maker or did you no, actually we work handmade bread 
Wow. For a few weeks, and then we gave up. I think I might have just burped but also, on your podcast. It's fine. Okay. Everyone does. Sorry, but you were saying about... No, but... Uh, no, I just am learning research, that, like... Yeah. Yeah, like, pe- there's a lot of need and desire to get more eyeballs, more clicks, more ears on sure. your podcast. Yeah. And, um, it, it well, because it translates into money. Yeah. A lot of these mommy vloggers, um, the top mommy vloggers are making six figures. They're getting book deals. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. They're getting, I mean, anytime you're asked to go um, try a new product, go to an event, something like that, a lot of them are getting paid for the posts that you see and to talk about the products that they're telling you about. And they're making then, they're building these audiences by sharing their lives and they're right. making crazy amounts of money to do it wow that's where the desire comes in to start that controversy to get people yeah talking. it is sort of like i feel like a lot of like parenting books or parenting blogs a lot of times can be along the lines of diet books or diet blogs where yeah. it's like there's one way to do it this is the solution this is a miracle and when you do this everything in your life will change and you'll be completely <laughs> different and it's like rarely is that the case but it's kind no. of the same thing of like feeling like you have to ascribe to this one way of yeah. Of doing things or whatever. That's yeah. Uh, the The blogging world is fascinating to me. That's why I'm I I'm technically have a blog because I do post about stuff and my feelings every now and then. Yeah. My feelers, but mostly it's my PCAST, um, which I find incredibly liberating and uh-huh. fun. And because uh, you know, so oftentimes your your words can be misconstrued when they're in black and white. Like someone sure. could take a, something I said. Like if I have if I have one more friend who flips out over Facebook posts and says, I'm never talking to her again. And I hate him over this, this and this. It's like, calm down. It wasn't meant that way. Or yeah, we're still friends in real life, like not Facebook and online. So let's keep things in perspective. Um, so I want to talk about now, Bob's was not your first, show or it was your first show because you were talking with Megan Mullally before that right yeah I actually yes Megan Mullally had a very short-lived talk show Mm -hmm. that my husband and I both worked on and she's great her husband's great it was not I don't think that machine is built for success that kind of weekly I mean we would tape talk show uh, just daytime talk show is tough. Like the fact that Ellen has done it so well for so long after having seen one launch and been through the process, it's mystifying that. Yeah. I, and I think in the bigger picture, it's probably good that it didn't last because you look at all the things that Megan has done since then. Cause yeah. she's such a brilliant comedic actress. Yeah. There's like, had she been doing that show, she would have never had time to do children's hospital right. or any of the like amazing things that she's done since then. So I think it was probably for the best, but yeah, it was interesting. And that was in the talk show world is a very interesting um, process. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Motherhood in Hollywood. I know I enjoy putting it together and the best way that I can do that, the biggest help to me is through the sponsors of Motherhood in Hollywood. That's right. I want to tell you a little bit more about Kinset, the world's smartest thermometer. It truly does give parents peace of mind when it comes to remembering temperature, medication history, and symptoms. It records all of that information on this handy dandy app on your phone. Then you know what? It gives you advice on what to do next. And you can send that information to your doctor. Kinza truly is the world's smartest thermometer. Go find out more about it right now at Kinza Health. 
bumbybox.com. And I want to tell you guys more about Bumby Box. Now, if you're anything like me, you have great memories of playing with your parents when you were growing up. Well, Bumby Box can help you create new memories with eco-friendly and sustainable toys delivered right to your door every single month. And the cool part about Bumby Box is each of the toys are specially curated just for your child's interest and activities and age level. That's pretty cool, you guys. I know we love getting our Bumby box every month. Channing always has so much fun with everything that's inside of it. So you need to go to BumbyBox.com right now to find out how you can make Bumby box a better way to play in your house. And at checkout, make sure you enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D and you get a special discount just from Motherhood in Hollywood and Bumby box, a better way to play. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like Oprah reigned well and before Oprah even there was Dr. Phil but like you know they reigned supreme for so long yeah and then Rosie came along it seems like there's like one really big talk show juggernaut at a time yeah you it's, know yeah like there, I guess there's the world. view and then there's the real and there's the talk and yeah. those kinds of shows but they're all so similar that it's hard to you know yeah, that schedule is so brutal and punishing, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was sort of glad that my husband and I were both staffed on it. This was before my sister and I were working Were you together. married at the time when you guys were working? Um, yeah, did we you were. Meet there? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we dated a lot of other people on staff. Oh, but totally. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did not do that, for the record. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were. But it was like the hours were so crazy that I feel like it would be tough to understand it if you weren't also actually doing it like where we'd be there till two or three in the morning and then be back at nine the next day and tape six shows a week and um uh it it was just crazy and then they it it got worse as it went on and then suddenly was canceled like so it was like getting worse and worse and worse to where you're starting to think like how can I get out and for the record again nothing about Megan it was she was great she was awesome and like trying really hard it's that machine like it was like because it didn't launch well it wasn't doing well and so the executive producer would just get more and more intense and that wasn't Megan it was someone else who was the executive producer and it got to the point where they they decided that the the solution was they'd already started making people come in on weekends and then they decided that the solution was we should have a meeting on Friday after work at like 7 seven thirty at night after we had taped six shows that week and so I think the second or third week that that happened there was a banana suit sitting in the props area and so I was just like if I'm gonna go to this meeting I'm gonna wear a banana suit <laughs> and so I just went in and sat quietly in a banana suit for the entire meeting like I don't think anyone else registered that it was supposed to be some sort of act of protest <laughs> except for like me and the other few writers that had to go because it was just like we can't take this seriously anymore. It was insane. So I, I'm is very it sort of terrified that they of the were daytime like scrambling talk world. to try to fi- fix it. It's like the the producers when they see their show is going down, they kind of are are doing whatever they can to fix it. Is that what's happening there? I think that I think that is what it is. And there's a lot of I mean I think in in every um, every type of show like it is a it's a, an amazing miracle when a good thing makes it to air and even more amazing when it stays good and is on the air for a long time because when you see sort of how the sausage gets made it's a thousand people trying to make decisions none of whom are necessarily agreeing with each other and by a thousand I mean a dozen but a right. dozen is enough yeah, you know that's a lot. and then yeah just the decision they have so like in this case they have this very funny person who's a comedic actress um, but that doesn't always necessarily fit with daytime. And so 
at first she had a monologue and then they decided that she shouldn't do a monologue, even though jokes were sort of her forte. And then they took it away. And then, I I don't know, it's like very hard to post game something like that because it's also happening very fast and in real time. It's not like people sit around for years trying to make a show. It happens very quickly. Like the network pilots that you see, I mean, they get picked up in – um, and, and everyone, I think, involved with that Megan Mullally talk show was actually literally doing the best that they could. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's just a very hard thing to, like, get off the ground. Right. And I think that one, like many of the others, I mean, so many amazing comedic talents have tried, tried talk to shows, show, shows yeah. specifically talk shows, too. Do you think too, that's too, so part like, of it – I have noticed that part of it isn't necessarily the writing or what's going on right. by the, or the format. It may just be that the person the who is hosting it – doesn't resonate with the audience and that's not a dig on Megan or any of the other comedians that have started it's just I think that you have to be willing to sit and watch this person every single day like Johnny Carson you know everybody did for years and Jimmy Fallon Jim Kimmel all those guys you have to be willing to invest a daily routine into a talk show like that. And it's hard to say that because Ellen really resonates with daytime viewers for some yeah. reason. Had she tried nighttime, yeah, I don't think it, it might not have worked. Whereas I think maybe it had Megan come on at 1230 because she's got kind of this like mm-hmm. vibe, yeah. you know, that's a little she more does. of a late night vibe. I edgy, think maybe that, yeah, a little edgier mm-hmm. that might've worked then. So it's, it's so hard to figure out like, like what's gonna work when because we did like my sister and I did a pilot last year and you you are just making decisions so quickly and under so much pressure that the fact that there are pilots and our shows where good decisions get made under that pressure is actually amazing like it's crazy that something so, like you look back at friends and you're like how did how they get did the again? six correct people for friends because casting can be such a nightmare and you're under so much pressure and yeah. everybody wants the same people and why is that? Why do, cause I'm curious from an acting perspective, why does everybody want the same people? Cause they think those are the people that they um the viewers want to watch. Like those are the yeah. only dozen or so people that. Yes. I think there's <laughs> some of that going on. It's, it's like, I thought my friends who were actors were joking when they said, you know, I'm sort of not on the list. Yeah. I'm not on a list. There are literal lists. There are lists. It is not – I thought the list was like a euphemism or a figure of uh speech. It is a literal list that the casting director hands you as an EP of a show to say here are the people that we think and the network thinks would Would be be good good. for this. And then they have their own list too. A lot of the casting directors, they know people who they think could break big or whatever that they would love to see get a show. They would love to see get a pilot this year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then Lizzie and I – we're also like, how Did you about have all any, of these yeah. other people that we know from the improv world and from Bob's and from stuff And like what that. was their response to that? Um, well, I mean, I think they, they were definitely open to them coming in and reading. It'd be different if you were trying to make an offer. Yeah, You know, yeah. if it's someone they don't know that well and you're like, we'd like to just straight up offer it to that person. They are very strange about who they'll make offers to and how stuff like that. It could be that they had a pilot with that person that didn't work out. Um you know, there's a lot that goes into, and it's weird too because we had some people coming through who were reading for it who three years before would have been an offer, no question. You wouldn't have oh. even been able to talk to them unless the money was already on the table, but they'd had two or three shows that like didn't necessarily work, and now they no longer are offer only. They are. You have to um, audition. You have to audition again. And I was like, oh, this business is so ridiculous. It's 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 inter- <laughs> it's weird because some of the people you wouldn't expect, some of the people they said like, oh, we would, you know, what about this person? And we would be like, they have literally never done a comedy 
in no. their lives. No. But maybe they got a, a drama offer and wound up with that that year. But it's interesting. That, it does. I do see that happen yeah, when a new show will come out. I'm like, where did this person come from? Who is this? They've never done anything before. Or you'll go, I'll IMDB them and be like, literally, they came from nowhere. But somehow, some way, they impressed somebody enough to get on that list that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, and and that's what's fascinating to me. I do think in the end, you know, like if somebody has a really great audition, they can definitely cut through. But then at times they, and I get it, you know, they have to run a business. You know, they, sure. they'll be like, you know, there's a reason why John Stamos ends up with the show because they're not going to have to spend all that money marketing that show. And Joe Stamos is funny, obviously. So He's funny. Like, yeah, but um, so yeah, handsome. it's handsome. So handsome. If you're into a perfect doll-like man, I know. Then John Stamos can be your thing. <laughs> I like like a disgusting, <laughs> gross, real dirty man, gutter man myself. <laughs> but I don't have to put them the on old TV. Gutter man. Yeah, old gutter man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like there's you know they have to spend a lot of money on marketing and, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. And if there's a sort of pre-bought um, commodity, then it's like then they'll they will lean towards that. But I do think that like with Netflix and all these other and Hulu and Amazon, like a show like Transparent would not have existed no without way. Amazon picking it up and letting her do what she wanted, letting her cast who she wanted. Mm-hmm. And I understand that is that. I mean, we haven't done an Amazon or Netflix show. Um, but that is that process, you know, it's, it's just opened up a whole new is world for getting some to interesting, do? um, well, Lizzie and I are, um, in a deal with 20th. So okay. we, we make pilots for network, okay. um, cause they tend to do that. Um, I think it's really interesting, you know, yeah. that's really like, but then, you know, we work inside of sort of a different game, which is the network game and mm-hmm. it, it has a sort of path, but I do wonder if the network game will change a little bit or loosen with, up with or all of the success of the online. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see. I think everyone, you know, we, we work with really cool people at 20th. I think they really do. And I think, you know, they make some really interesting shows like, um, last man on earth and, um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like, and, uh, I think Brooklyn nine, nine, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, they, they do like cast some interesting people, make some interesting choices and stuff like that. So I wonder if they'll start being like Netflix will have to tighten up a little bit because mm-hmm. they've had a few shows that they put out that didn't yeah. have a big splash. Like, like Master of None was like perfect and wonderful so and everybody great. was super into it. But then they've had a couple that people have not really responded to. So did I you think, like, you think, did you watch Love? I haven't watched Love. Yeah. Is it good? I haven't watched well, it. Well, I mean, some people were all about it. I, for me, I was just like, this feels so false. Like right. there was just something about it where the lead character, good on him. I think he's also the writer. Yeah. Would never. And he does stuff on Bob's too. Oh, Bob's does he? Too, Ooh, yeah. I mean, he's great. I love him. No, that's okay. And people he would are never... allowed to love or not love things. You know, it's like. <laughs> I just feel like this particular character would never in a million years be with this gorgeous hot blonde la chick you know it just was another one of those it didn't things. feel real to you no it didn't yeah. and it was but it just felt like another one of those things like a kevin james effect where it's like oh big weird looking guy with like a hot sexy girl or you right. know and yeah i just i'm tired of seeing that story in right. hollywood yeah and i think that's the thing is like netflix is acquiring so much content it's like it'll be interesting to see if that pays off for them or if they have to pull it back a little bit mm-hmm. and then if networks might go to more of a you know, 10 or 13 episode arc because it's tough sometimes to get, sorry, is this too nitty gritty? Not at all. No, but like it's sometimes that the list of, um, actors who say they won't do network 
is pretty big. Who? Um, That's crazy. We, meaning like, oh, we won't do a network TV show where only film or what? No, they'll do like a Netflix or an Amazon uh, or something because they only have to commit to like 10 per season. Instead of 13 a full, per like, season. 20, Maybe they're people who have already made a, a fair amount of money and so they don't necessarily need to be pulling down that network money. Yeah, I see. And so it, it'll be interesting to see if maybe – and I think it would be good. I'll just – I'll just say that out loud. I think it would be good. You know, like Last Man, I think, only did 13 their first year. Like, mm-hmm. they do want that content. They need to fill up their air. But at the same time, it's like, oh, who could you get? What would be interesting to do if you did have limited series? Yeah. Which is H- what HBO does. You yeah, know? yeah. Network just works on a different economic model, so it's harder for them, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, though, because they have so many more reality-type shows and singing competition shows yeah. that are becoming popular. I know American yeah. Idol is gone now, but The Voice has replaced it, and it's doing it's just a juggernaut for NBC uh and you've still got Survivor and and shows like that yeah those the reality shows you know are are kind of filling the gap in the networks um which is frustrating for me as an actor because I don't want to be on The Biggest Loser (laughs) right I don't want to be I'm the voice uh right I want to be in a funny show so or or drama whatever whoever's listening no I'll take whatever (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I just, it frustrates me that it's like, oh, here's another reality show. Like NBC just came out with another get healthy reality show. Like, do we need one of those? No, but it makes me wonder if they're doing it because they're purposely looking for those types of shows and not dramas or comedies or original content to put on the air. Because that is one area where they, I don't think Netflix or Amazon can beat them. Right. You know, like Hulu is not going to be doing a strongest healthiest competition show you know right yeah yeah i don't know if maybe that's where they're like well we'll let them have the great content you know like transparent and master of none and we'll go do these reality shows yeah i just i it's interesting though because i don't i think master of none or um having been through a network development process i know master of none and transparent are two examples of where the creator i think i'm master of none and i i know um Kelvin Yu, who's, who plays Brian on Master of None, is a writer on Bob's Burgers, too. Mm-hmm. I think they had a lot of freedom in their process. That's and nice. so did... Um, I've heard that a lot about the Netflix shows. So did Transparent had a lot of freedom in their process. It has to be the freedom, though, meeting the person who really knows how to make a show. Like, I can't say for sure about myself that if they gave me freedom, I would necessarily know what I was doing. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's Because a, you've it's never a, been a showrunner before, right? So it, I have not. No, I, we uh, we show ran our pilot or whatever. And it is like it is. Yeah. Uh, most people say humbling when they mean something that actually makes them feel like bragging. <laughs> but in this, you know, like, it's so humbling to win an Oscar. You're like, no, it's <laughs> you're, you're <bragging>. looking. No. <laughs> Flattering is the word you're looking for. It's flattering, flattering. to win an Oscar. I feel it's so humbled by this large golden statue. When you go to the doctor and you have to like have your pants off and have someone like look at your vagina. Right. That's humbling. <laughs> totally. You yeah. feel smaller and like embarrassed and like a little not embarrassed. I mean, my vagina is than... amazing. I just want to oh, make okay, sure I get good. that out on the podcast. Please do. One of the top probably 2,500 vaginas in Los Angeles. All right. And there's my, um, my sound clip, my tease. Yeah, for one the... of the top 2,500 vaginas in Los Angeles speaks. Um, that, you know, what was I talking about? Oh, trying to make a pilot is yeah. very humbling because you know, you're, you get to make a pilot and you're the executive producer of the pilot, which seems like, wow, that's a nice title. It's like made being it. called a yeah. princess. It's the television equivalent of being called a princess or something. Um, 
but I mean, you realize, like, if I, if we went back to the start of that day when our pilot got picked up, there are so many decisions maybe we would have made differently, but unless you've done it once, like, you don't know. It's a huge machine. It's humbling in the sense that it's a huge machine and you're trying to make decisions and you think like, oh, maybe we don't need to offer it to that actress today who I kind of like, but maybe don't that maybe that's not like the who I think is the perfect person. And then they're gone and you're like, oh, I didn't realize we had to choose today. And it's like a thousand things happen like that. And I think we actually it, it was fairly functional and and all of that and I and I was proud of the finished product and I thought we had a lot of really good people in it Mm -hmm. but at the same time it was like some of the small decisions along the way that you don't think are important need to happen and you know it's there's a lot of you know there's so much that goes into it that you realize like even though you're being sort of handed the reins of something that the first time you do it you have to pay attention and learn all the lessons I feel like if we did it again um, there's a lot you'd probably do. There's a lot like just, yeah, you just Are you know. going to do it again? Are you guys working on a pilot right now? Um, yeah, we have a development deal, so we always kind of have some stuff in the works, but yeah, it's like little things that I didn't know ahead of time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you should have your list of people you would love to go out to ready, ready to way go. ahead of time and like really be and firm about it. And what if those people are like not on the networks list? doesn't matter. I, I think you have to pick and choose what you're going to fight about. You okay. know, what, what kind of fights you're going to try what you're going to fight for because you can't fight yeah. for everything right but it's I mean it was definitely like a, a learning experience and you can only learn it in real time and you're learning it with someone else's dime and so you feel a little guilty about that but it's like you yeah. do learn those lessons but and I think nice that's that why have people your sister do there with you yeah that's going amazing. through the process yeah, yeah yeah are you guys work so you are are you a writing team so for every yeah we're a team with the WGA so for everything you do you're together mm-hmm. till yeah. the end of time yeah, I mean, you can split if yeah, you want yeah. to. <laughs> but Forever. I think our mom would be really mad. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, so, yeah, um, we're a team. And it was nice that we were doing it together because yeah. we were both like, this is nuts the whole time. I'm but trying to so stay great. sane and, you know, be professional and all of that stuff. But then it's, like, nice to have someone where, like, if you have a really weird meeting and just be like, that was crazy, right? Like, <laughs> that can happen, you know. I Some like crazy that, things can happen. That's one thing that I miss, and I've talked about it a couple times on the show before, is I wish that I had a writing partner, somebody to right. help, you know, counterbalance my um, my crazy ideas that I'm up doing in the middle of the night right. and help me actually, like, focus them. And Brandy was my writer for a long uh-huh. – my writing buddy for a long time, and we kind of collaborated on stuff. And then she got busy, I got busy, life happens. Right. Um, but I, I'm always envious of people who have a great writing partner. I think some of the best writers are, are a writing team. Um, so I want to ask you quickly, like, how has this affected your all the success of Bob's Burgers and, and the development deal, everything you're doing and working on? How has that affected you as a mom in terms of do you ever feel like you're too busy, you're missing out on things? Would you like to have less time, more time? Um, I think I just decided early on to try to compartmentalize and know that, you know, it's okay for me to go to work from 10 to 6. (laughs) You know, and that's just my life and that that's for the foreseeable future. I just try to not make it. You know, we're lucky in that we don't have late nights on Bob's and we don't have early mornings. It literally is like a 10 to 6, 10 to 6.30 situation. I live a couple miles from my work and Mm -hmm. so I'm just home as much as I can be. I'm just extremely fortunate in that way. When we were making our pilot, 
I was never home and that felt terrible. Yeah. So, but that's pilot making. I think if you're in series, you can make better decisions about like your time, like making a pilot is it's, I, I would imagine that making a movie is kind of the same way where, you know, it's an isolated period of time where you have to be, mm-hmm. you just have to be there all the time. You know, I was getting up at five and out of the Do house and not that's... getting home until he was in bed. And that, that sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that is, um, a big part of the reason why a lot of moms or a lot of women in the industry don't have kids or that they want to wait to have kids or because the, the hours are so hard and you feel like you, you know, maybe they'll get to see your child as much as you want. And I don't know. I just feel like I notice a lot of moms wait a while. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people in LA wait a while mm-hmm. regardless. Cause it's so hard to become financially solvent. Right. You know what I mean? It Absolutely. feels irresponsible to have your, kid if you can't afford rent it's not I mean yeah. I support anyone having a kid at any stage you right, know right. but it's like it's um yeah I mean I think I I got pregnant my first year at Bob's and so I definitely felt once it seemed like the show was a going concern like a lot more security from having that kind of longevity in the job and and all of that um, I do think there are a lot a lot of uh, a lot of the women and producers that I meet though are uh, do have kids and I think it's about, you know, it's the same kind of thing where you have to kind of compartmentalize and go like, okay, well, this job is very tenuous, even at best. Yeah. So you're kind of taking advantage of your money-making time mm-hmm. to put the money in the bank. And then, like, with the Writers Guild, obviously every year we get health insurance. I'm working towards that 17 years right? where then you get permanent health insurance. And so a lot of it to me, if I'm tempted to feel guilty or tempted to feel bad or someone makes a super cunty remark <laughs> at a – fucking playground or whatever about me not being there. Who was making cunty remarks? It happens. It happens. Like, oh, it happens you... in both directions. I feel like sometimes like like you make one back. <laughs> no, I try not to make one, but I'm sure both directions, but yeah, someone basically implying I was never at one of my kids things. I'm like, right. Oh. Cuz it's in the middle of the fucking day when uh, I'm at work. That's There's so nothing rude. I can do about it. Yeah, very rude. But um, you know, but it does bring out that those guilt feelings where you're like, sure. "Oh, right, from my kid's perspective, I'm never at this one class that he goes to." But it's like, right, but we do have health insurance. But yeah, but you're so, pro- you're providing Right, that push and pull him. always happens, I think, but yeah. when I'm tempted to fall into that like uh, what might have been kind of thing, I do remember that, you know, we like, and my husband works too, um, but by our health benefits are through me. So mm-hmm. if I'm tempted to give in to my feelings guilt like or, that, yeah. yeah, guilt like that. And I also realize I am home a ton. Like, I definitely like try to, I, I yeah. almost like hate going out now because it's tiring. Yeah. And I get up <clears> at six. No I know. Matter I always what feel bad. time I go to bed. My friends so are like, like oh, it's my birthday party. I'm like, I know, oh, you're having another birthday. Sometimes if somebody starts something after 10, I'm like, Forget are you it. a sociopath? Yeah. Like, do people do this? And then I'm like, oh, right. No, I used to do that. I used to stay yeah. up before in the morning. Yeah. I remember very much like going out and partying like till the wee hours of the morning. And now I'm like, no way. I'm tired just thinking Mm-mm. about it. And it's it really does change you after you become a mom. Like it changes your perspective on um partying. Maybe that's where the mommy bloggers are coming in to be like, no way, I'm still the same hip person. Um, do you find yeah. that when actors find out that you're a producer on a show, do you find that they're like, Oh, I want to be your best friend or is there a neediness to actors that you meet or are you more wary? Um, of being friends there's only been a couple of times of that and it's usually via the internet oh like they reach out to you yeah online. like maybe somebody who didn't want to 
who had no interest in me 10 years ago when we did improv together or something. And is now like, I was oh. like a garbage person to them. And then like, <laughs> they're like, Oh my God. Hi. And I'm just like, Nope. Oh, nope. I remember. I remember that I was a garbage person. It's oh, not happening. God. It's more like that. Like if it was like in the past or whatever, I actually think, you know, if we're all just like doing our best to hustle. And if somebody yeah. is a little more friendly, cause because I, I work in TV. I, and I mean, I get it. I was always really awkward. I wanted to be an actor first. And one of my big problems was like, I couldn't network. I was very bad at it. I'm bad at it too. I like, I'm bad. We would I'm bad have those showcases. Names. Yeah. We would have those showcases yeah. like at second city or wherever. And then like, they'd be like, and there's some network people here and they're going to stay afterwards and, and talk to like, people. <gasps> and I, I couldn't talk. I almost felt hostile, you know, or like before I had an agent, <laughs> I like couldn't speak to agents. Oh, I wow. felt incredibly nervous around them and stuff. So, I mean, I think everybody's just, do you feel that way now though? When doing you're talking, Cause can. you're coming from a position of power talking to network people as well. Like you're bringing them something creative and awesome that you yeah. have. There's no need to be insecure or um, cause you've proven yourself. I now. think it's a little different now. It's still intimidating. I mean, they're always dressed better. I'm always essentially <laughs> wearing sweats and have a temptation to feel like I just like rolled out from like a futon into their like beautiful office. I always feel like that too. I feel like that whenever I go into like any kind of producer session or anything, uh-huh. like it's like a network audition or right. something. I always just feel like the fat schlubby girl in the room that they're going to go get out of here. What's this? Like you said, a garbage person who brought this trash lady in. Right. Yeah. Like all my clothes are like pilled, you know, cause I've watched them so many <laughs> right, times. Right. Like I could probably buy better clothes now, but it just, I don't know. Like, but why? Who's got time? Yeah, I'll just get like ten <laughs> pairs of leggings from Old Navy. Only <gasps> Old and Navy leggings t-shirts. are the best. Um, but like, yeah, no, I mean, definitely, it's it's evened out a lot now. I guess I was just saying that in the spirit of, you know, everyone's kind of trying to. It's it's tough to figure out. I mean, my husband and I have to talk about like getting having any kind of success in the entertainment industry is mm-hmm. like, it's like finding a door that wasn't there or whatever. Like you just like. There's not, there's not one path and there's no guarantees. Like a lot of people toil away as a writer's assistant, for instance, for five or six years. And that's supposed to be a guaranteed path to getting a script and getting staffed on that show. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Whereas somebody else might start a Twitter and then they get staffed on a show in a year. I mean, it's just, it's not fair in any way, but I do think if people kind of stay with it and, try new things, do podcasts, do, you know, Twitter, do whatever they, they feel is natural to them. Yeah. You know, hopefully they would find some success, but like Lizzie and I had an interview to be writers on, I don't know if the show ever happened, but they were going to do some kind of lightly scripted reality show about Polly Shore. Oh, in this was, would have been December of Oh nine. We went in, it was like one of the first interviews our agents got us. We went in for it and we didn't get it. And then two months later, we went in for an interview for Bob's Burgers and got it. So it's like, there's not, it's just a bunch of. How weird. Also, that didn't go. It's just like a weird, I know, it sounds like such a wonderful idea. I, I guess know. what I'm doing now is like hoping that they'll hear this podcast and reconsider hiring me. And <laughs> we can always the Shore reality show. I think he's like friends with the Kardashians or something. I think I saw him <sighs> on an episode. If that's of... my path to get to know the Kardashians. I know, then... right? Fingers crossed. Um, oh, I, I do watch the Kardashians. I'm is that like your guilty pleasure? Oh, yeah, completely. I me know too. like a lot of trivia 
about them. I watch a lot of. Why do you think you like them so much? Oh, I love to watch rich people like sit on couches and beds. Like the Kardashians, <laughs> and I'm sure it's nothing like this, but like you never actually see them like do anything, fight or have drama. Though, like I used to like Real Housewives, but like it just got so fighty and yeah, so whiny. Each and other I don't enough. mean wine, like whining. I mean like so much wine, right, like right. drinking so much wine and fighting so much. Lizzie's still super into it, but I for some reason I timed out on it, and that's when I discovered the Kardashians and how much they just literally would be one of them lying on a bed. They're like, Court, come in here. I need to talk to you about something. Then I'll be like, do you want to go to Tahoe or not? And like, Uh, that's like their whole day. And I think I just find it kind of like relaxing and numbing. Right, right. Because it's literally like their biggest, like Court doesn't want to go to Tahoe. Why not? She said she did yesterday. I don't know. We should call mom on the phone. And then they yeah. get, we watch them make a phone call. Make a phone call. Like literally they, <laughs> yeah, like 95% of the show is a phone ringing. Is the phone ringing or texting yeah. someone or driving somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I love also, to like a it. lot, but also <clears throat> as a parent though, a lot of open, ungated, uncovered pools in the background yeah. that add an element of menace because there's little children running around. I think that they have off I, camera though, like a minders, thousand nannies. A thousand nannies. Yeah. Uh, ready definitely, to die. Definitely. Die for the Kardashians. But yeah, yeah. They would take a bullet, right? Yeah. And they have like lookalikes. It's like a whole Saddam Hussein operation. They do. They really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, Um So fascinating. But yeah, so that, the pools in the background. But yeah, I just enjoy their basic sort of lay around on bed lifestyle because I feel like I'm on the clock at six in the morning and I'm off the clock at about 8 30 mm-hmm. and then that's like an hour and a half you can like watch like three episodes of Kimmy Schmidt or something right, and then right. go to bed and like I don't have a stressful life or anything it's just that it doesn't involve a lot of like let's call mom and see if she wants to get the cabin <laughs> True. Like that's not. It's not like that. No. Um. I, I think I'll call my mom today and just be like, "Do you want to get a cabin?" Sure, and planned. my mom is just gonna hang up on me. Like, we're planning the family like, vacation what are you doing? to Bora Bora. Do you want to go? Oh yeah. Like how luxurious. I also think though their lives have a lot of menace, like right around the edges. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like. That Scott Disick is obviously like a problematic alcoholic and drug addict, but when he's on camera, he occasionally is, but usually not. Like, there's a lot of like menace right around the sides. It's like what they're hiding is almost more fascinating than what Absolutely. they're showing. There was some episode that was showing a rerun yesterday, and it was um, Bruce Jenner when he was still Bruce Jenner before right. Caitlyn, and it was from um, years ago when they were on one of their family vacations. Sure, and. Uh, it was one of the times where Scott and Courtney had a fight and Scott was not talking to Courtney and storms off to his wing of the vacation rental. Right. And they cut to I the love storming to a wing. Like if you say anything during wing. this to make me mad, I'm going to storm <laughs> off to one of the wings, storm off to one of the wings and yeah. that's a day broker. And, uh, they show one of the little monologues or whatever of Bruce Jenner talking to the camera uh-huh. going, um, you know, if there's anything that's important in a relationship, it's communication and honesty. And he's right. like, um, so I need to, I feel like I need to go talk to Scott and let him know, you know, I've been married for X amount of years and what's gotten me and Chris through everything is our honesty together. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, you were like the least honest person with your family during that whole, during this whole thing. What are you talking about? But everything about the Kardashians is so fake and so planned that I just feel like someone probably told him to say that. Like, I don't know. Oh, right. Maybe. Yeah. It's just gross. Kind of resist the information too. What? What, About him coming out or 
I think or that something. There when was they like first a whole got story. together, he had already started hormones and was starting to oh, yeah. develop breasts. That's it. Yeah. And he had told her, and she, the way she kind of made it sound was like, oh, no, it's no big deal. Well, let's not do that anymore because now we're together. You don't have to do that anymore. Kind of, she kind of like brushed it under the rug. Yeah. I don't know that she ever fully like came out and addressed that because he did say from the beginning, like he had told her he was transitioning and. Yeah, she wanted none of it. How but then they stayed together it. another like 25 years. Yeah. And the other thing that nobody ever talked about is that Kim had walked in on him in Chris's clothes. Right. And you can't tell me that after she saw him, her stepdad dressed in her mom's clothes, that she didn't go tell Chloe or any or Courtney because they tell each other everything, even the most yeah. benign things. There's no way that she just sort of kept that little nugget to herself. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they had all talked about it and been like, well, that's weird. Wonder why. And then nobody asked questions. Yeah. Uh, but they kept chugging on for another 10. This is our years. new podcast. Heather, we just get together <gasps> every week it. and talk about the Kardashians. I would love that. I would love it. No joke. I, I just think so there's, theories. I'm fascinated by how, I was. I do watch it as a guilty pleasure, and I do think it's incredibly like inane most of the time. It is, but it's also they are the most famous people of our time, and so you have to. It actually kind of does bear some deep thinking of like what's going on, what is it right. about them that's captured everyone's imagination. It's good producing, and what it is good, it producing. Is good producing. Yeah, the producers of that show know how to set up the storyline for that week, set up the drama. Yeah. They know how to reshoot the scenes that maybe they missed some, you know, the conversation they missed. Cause that was a big thing about back when she was married to Chris, um, whatever his name is, basketball player guy, forgetting his last name. Humphreys. Humphreys. Thank you. <laughs> I knew right you on the top of my tongue. Um, when she, back when she was married to Chris Humphreys, there was a whole deal where she had the discussion with her mom in the limo in Dubai about how she was going to leave him. Well, Apparently that discussion never actually happened. So what they did was they refilmed it here in LA. They blacked out all the windows, put on the same outfits and hair and makeup. Really? And they reshot it. And oh. then of course the Kardashians were like, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. But everybody was like, yeah, you did. We, right. we saw it. Um, so there's just a lot of duping the public that's happening on that show and people buy into it. It's yeah. just, to me, I just watch it and I go, this is some good producing. That's what I, that's what I think. Yeah, but it's also, like, a weird expression of, like, women's bodies as, like, public space, I yeah. think. Like, everyone feels like they're tracking, like, the minute changes in the bodies of these young women. Mm-hmm. Like, with Chloe losing weight and with Kylie getting implants and all. And it's, lips. like, this weird, like, landscape that everyone's, like, monitoring. And it's this weird, like, we're supposedly living in this, like... They yeah. want to be monitored. That's why they post all the pictures. That's why they talk about the new lip gloss or whatever that plumps your lips. And right. Because they get paid for it. Yeah. It is interesting, though, like the space of like how much of it is a choice, maybe felt like a choice more for Kim. But then for yeah. the younger girls coming along, are they choosing it as much as the older girls did? Or are they feeling that that's just the only option you, for success. I, you know? I bet you they feel like that's the option for success as a Kardashian. Like, what else are you going to do? You know, remember when Rob tried to make socks? Right. <laughs> and Rob like, felt so much pressure to make. Like, it's and funny. Like, like, it was like, Kylie to do Kylie's that, Rob. getting, like, pieces of, like, material put in her butt, potentially. And right. Rob's making socks. Yeah. Like, it's, again, it's back to the, like, it's... difference between what the women have to do and what the men have to do. Rob's, like, getting fat and making socks. <laughs> And Kylie's like contorting herself Her into the shape yeah. of 
what she thinks will make her money and be desirable. Or maybe she loves it. There's that, you know, you never know. Like that's the thing. You can't take away people's like choice to be like, if you just look at the sadness in her eyes, I don't feel like sadness. There's some sadness. Yeah. 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 There's definitely some sadness. Um, all right. So for the next episode of the Kardashians, um, what should we call it? We'll take on the Kardashians. (laughs) Oh my God. Wendy and Heather. I'm sure there's already a podcast called keeping up with keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, I'm sure. But they're probably fans. They're probably just gonna be like, these guys are the best. No, I, I love to like think, uh, yeah, I like to think critically about the Kardashians. Me too. It's really a good time. Sorry, I took up your whole podcast. <laughs> you did talk it. about no, the Kardashians. Because honestly, it needs to be discussed. Yeah, it really does. Um, I am a huge fan of Bob's Burgers. I'm gonna bring it back around and talk about how okay. much, uh, I think you're hilarious. I think the Thank show is so nice. funny. It's, it is one of the shows, few network shows that my husband and I do still watch. <laughs> because it's like yeah a lot of people say that the yeah. network's kind of not their jam as much anymore it's just not no yeah. um i like too that you guys push yourself right up to the envelope you know it with terms of like comedy and what's inappropriate my favorite are the slow burn jokes that take a second where you go what what did he just say or right. you know, whatever um and so yeah i'm really glad that i got to to talk to you about it and pick your brain a little bit about oh. about all your writings. Thanks for having um, me. I feel like we didn't talk about Bob's at all. Sorry. I know, I know. Well, should we could do over. No, no, no. Yeah. We did, we did. But I also want people to get to know you, like the person behind Bob's and and writer and mom. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, they can go to at Wendy Molino to see all of your comedy bits. I'm so glad you came on the show today. This was so much fun. Yeah, thanks for watching Bob's. Of course, we are huge fans. So now you guys can also go to motherhoodandhollywood.com. Hello, motherhoodinhollywood.com, where I'll put some information about Wendy there as well. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time. Mama funny. Balls.